Hey everybody, welcome to Divi Chat, episode 41, accounting tips for your Divi business. Each week, some awesome Divi people get together and chat about Divi and WordPress and how this can help your business. We're glad you joined us tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to be discussing accounting tips for your Divi business, but before we get started, let's meet everybody on the panel tonight. How you doing, Corey? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, WordPress developer, lover of Divi tacos and baseball. Um, I am with Asthma Grove Studios and Divi Space. You can see the uh, URLs there as I'm, as I'm talking here. And um, yeah, just search for us on Facebook, Twitter, and all that fun stuff. Awesome. Hi, Josh. Hey guys, Josh Hall here. I'm coming from you or coming to you from the beautiful city of Columbus, Ohio. And you can finally get a hold of me at joshhall.co, which just launched this week. So hit me up there. All right. Thanks. Awesome, Josh. Hi, Leslie. Hi, I'm Leslie Burnell of A Girl in Her Mac. And uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at A Girl in Her Mac. Fantastic. Hi, Shannon. Hey, I'm Shannon with uh, PFS Digital, and you can find me at pfsdigital.com. Fantastic. Glad you're here. Hi, Tim. Hey, everybody. Tim Streifler here, broadcasting from Austin, Texas. And you can find me online at divilife.com and timstreifler.com. Fantastic. And my name is David Blackman with Aspen Grove Studios and Divi Space. And super glad to be here. I'm probably not going to talk much. I'm going to be honest. This is about accounting, and I'm not an expert on accounting. My one piece of advice to you is hire an accountant. <laughs> we do are lucky enough to have a couple of uh, panelists tonight, one, in fact, who has an accounting degree. So that person should be able to shed quite a bit of light on how you may want to um, set up, help, with your business tools that you may use and stuff. And I'm sure everybody else is going to share their experience as well. So why don't we dive off into the topic? And I think Leslie disappeared. I was going to pick on her first, but uh, she's gone. So I guess I'm going to go with somebody else. Does somebody else want to start and dive in any fresh accounting tips for the Divi business people? Can I, can I start with a little disclaimer here? Um, Absolutely. Please, Tim. Please. Although, although Shannon does have an accounting degree and I'd, say that most of us probably have some good tips. Um, <laughs> don't take what we're saying as professional advice. Talk to a local professional. Um, this is meant to be kind of tips to put you in the right direction. So don't uh, do tax, take our advice and do your taxes with it and then sue us later. That won't work out. So uh, this is our official disclaimer. <laughs> Actually, if I could build on that from that, Tim, one of the things that is really important is to know that uh, because we also we have a worldwide audience, you know, we are all currently uh, in the states here. So we're specifically speaking to some of the the laws and regulations in the states. And then the biggest thing is every state is different. So these are just high level general tips. Um, and personally, because I still hold a certification in the state of Pennsylvania, I must say that any advice that I give you cannot be um, substituted for professional accounting pertaining to you. There you go. So, there you go. Oh. So we can start. Does everybody have all the disclaimers out of the way? 
<laughs> All right. Now we can start the episode. We're going to fill you full of knowledge. Who wants to go first? Josh, your mic, your mic is unmuted. You must look I, like you want to talk. I was going to just loosen the conversation up a little bit and maybe talk about my personal favorite platform that I use for all my accounting, my invoicing and stuff. And I'll just come right out of the gate and say I use 17 hats. And it's a really good option if you're a freelance developer or an agency and you're wanting something that you can centralize your invoicing, uh, contracts, documents, and stuff like that. Uh, you don't have to use 17 hats. There's QuickBooks or several others out there, but that's one that I've used to great effect. I do all my invoicing. Um, what I love about it too is I can keep track of all the clients that have paid and more importantly, the ones that have not paid yet. Um, in the past, one thing I did that was pretty detrimental to myself was I would forget about an invoice or I would remember you know, when invoices were out. Just a couple weeks ago, I got a check for like 75 bucks or something quick I did and I was like, where the heck did this come from? I don't remember this at all. And uh, went back and found it in 17 hats and I was able to take care of it. So get a platform that helps you stay on trap and uh, ideally try to centralize as many things as you can in, in regards to invoicing and contracts and stuff like that. That'd be my number one advice. Yeah, maybe one thing that we can do is, is a little bit more structured and stuff before we go into legal stuff is talk about some of the tools that each of us use in our daily accounting Divi business. 17 Hatch, Josh mentioned. I know there's several others. Different people use different things. We, for example, use QuickBooks, um, which is kind of the go-to accounting software, in my mind anyways. That's the one that you all well, small businesses forever, use. Been around forever, Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are some of the tools that platforms that you use? And Josh, I want to know what happened to the first 16 hats, by golly. <laughs> um, so in terms of tools, I, I'm kind of transitioning because I'm transitioning my business from a sole proprietorship to a LLC. But um, I've been using FreshBooks for a couple of years now, which is great for client invoicing. Um, if I haven't looked too much into 17 hats, but I think 17 hats has a lot more to it. Um, in addition to kind of invoicing and stuff. FreshBooks I like because it's it's very straightforward for, for time tracking, for, for invoicing clients. Um, you can also connect your, your bank account to the uh, to your FreshBooks account and so then it'll it'll track all your expenses and everything too. I have it connected. I haven't really looked at it at all, but as I'm transitioning to QuickBooks online, I'm gonna be using that more, you know, tracking all of my expenses and doing actual bookkeeping, which is something I haven't done um, previously, but uh, being able to look at every single expense that touches my account and account for it. Um, but yeah, so for me, FreshBooks and QuickBooks. Yeah, FreshBooks, QuickBooks. Go ahead, yeah, Shannon. There's three different levels. So if you look at what Josh recommended versus, so if you start out, there's your basic, um, what I call like a uh, record keeping software, which is like a FreshBooks. And that um, we'll keep your invoices, your payments. It doesn't have a full-fledged accounting system. So when you go to your accountant at the end of the year, they may need to produce some, some statements. That's great for somebody who's starting out. Um, as your business grows, you have employees, more expenses. QuickBooks is more robust and has like your profit and loss, your balance sheet, the deeper side. Um, and where 17 Hats is more of a complete management software. So it takes your CRM and kind of integrates it with your sales pipeline and your accounting. Um, 17 Hats is a little bit weak on the true accounting functions, whereas something like QuickBooks is super robust on the account accounting functions. 
Um, there's a new player, uh, it's Dubsado, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, but D-U-B-S-A-D-O, that has been on the scene for a little while, and I, I took a look at that, and that that is 17 hats basically on steroids. So you can look at all these different softwares, they're kind of different. Um, what, what I think uh, Tim was saying, FreshBooks is just very vanilla, will get you, allow you to put your invoices in, collect your payments, and if you're looking for an accounts receivable side of it, it's an excellent choice. If you really need true accounting where you're gonna be recording your expenses, you're gonna be recording your cost of goods, um, it's lacking in some of those areas, and you know the accountants, um, there's things like Wave App, same deal, Billy App, they're all kind of lacking in the really heavy accounting that um, QuickBooks offers. But I will tell you that setting up QuickBooks, you're probably going to need some help if you have no accounting experience. So starting out with something like FreshBooks, and honestly, you could start out with a spreadsheet. You know, um, I still heavily use spreadsheets, and um, I use accounting software. But for a monthly reconciliation, I like to to break some down some of my stuff before it gets entered into. So you could start out with that basic concept in a spreadsheet if you don't have a budget. You know, you could have one tab that's your invoices, one tab that's your expenses, and then someday graduate to, you know, using FreshBooks for your invoicing, and then a system like 17 Hats, and then eventually to a full-fledged accounting system. And most entrepreneurs that are single, sole props, don't really ever get to a QuickBooks level because it is so, they take that stuff and hand it over to their accountant. I'll back you up with that, Shannon, because 17 hats is very limited in a lot of ways. So I should preface by saying I do have a CPA as well. So 17 hats is kind of the mediator between me, my business, my clients, and my CPA who's doing everything you're talking about. Yeah. And I think you'll find that people who are using 17 hats don't want that extra, you know, that is the extra step that they're just rather handed off and, you know, pay somebody who is who is, is good at that. When you get to a QuickBooks level, a lot of people start hiring a bookkeeper. When you have lots of transactions, you have employees, you have all those things, then you probably have a bookkeeper coming in and doing some of that for you throughout the year so that at the end of the year, it's not this huge, massive mess for your CPA to go through when you start getting big beyond having you know a couple people working with you. So I think you can also, you can look at those um, different softwares. And Leslie, I think after this, we're gonna put up a blog post kind of describing each one of those uh, software and who they're good for and what they can do for you. That would be um, awesome. Yeah. That'd be great. And, yeah. and, and I do have, well, I'm going to kind of segue just slightly a little bit and ask a question. Maybe Shannon's the person to answer it and stuff. And obviously anybody can dive in. Um, a lot of these things, 17 hats, fresh books, these are online solutions. You know, obviously we're web developers, so we're kind of used to operating in the online realm. Um, but if somebody's new, you know, financial transactions are, well, they're sensitive data. It's very sensitive. How do you feel about the security of using these online platforms to handle, see all of your banking data, ha handle all of very, very pertinent information? Do you guys want to uh, I'm going to say, I, I think as, as web developers, we're putting our personal information out there all the time as it is. I mean, whether we're, you know, plugging our bank account and information into our accounting software or PayPal, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think we as web developers just tend to have like an innate uh, trust of <laughs> it. And sometimes it might come back to bite you, but we, we just have like a trust of, uh, of technology and encryption and hope that these larger, companies are, are keeping our data protected. 
Um, I mean, if, if all of a sudden some accounting software came out, you got a random like cold email, like, Hey, check out Joe Schmo's uh, accounting software, put your bank account in right now. Um, obviously you'd be a little leery of that, but, uh, companies like QuickBooks, FreshBooks, 17 hats, I, I think they go through, uh, you know, go through the measures to keep us as protected as we can. And, uh, if somebody wants to see how much money I don't make, then, then they can take a look. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of the second what Corey just said. I think that's why it's it's good to to choose a established reputable platform like FreshBooks, QuickBooks, uh, Seventeen Hats, uh, companies that have been around and are, are tried and tested and, and proven. Um, you know, read reviews and and so forth. Um, well, one thing I, I is kind of related, but it reminded me. Um, and it, I guess, my fear to move uh, from moving to more like the spreadsheet model to FreshBooks was. Um, you know, doing, or I guess, no, I did fresh books, but I didn't turn on the, uh, I just did like, I would email it to them and they'd have to mail me a check. I didn't turn on like the, um, online payment for clients to pay me online. I, I, I don't know why I was hesitant. I think it was, I didn't want to give up, you know, that 2.9%, you know, from PayPal or Stripe. Um, but that's something I would highly recommend doing, uh, for people that are, are doing online invoicing, using something like FreshBooks, 17 hats, QuickBooks, is uh, let your clients pay you online because you will get paid so much quicker. Um, I remember the days before I was doing that and I would wait for weeks for a paper check because depending on the company, it'd have to be you know processed by their, their payroll or their accounting department or whatever, where paying online, it would you know take five seconds for you know my direct contact to pay me because, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Shannon, but a lot of times when um, companies are, are paying a contractor with a check, they require that you fill out a, a W-2 or whatever, um, or 1090, I get all the forms mixed up, but with <laughs> if they're paying you via credit card, that's not necessary. Is that right, Shannon? Correct, because a couple years ago, what they did is they would have to 1099 you, yeah. and what they did is they changed the laws where you don't have to 1099 people that you pay with PayPal and and the credit card companies because they have their own reporting. Um, 1099Rs come from, if you ever get one in PayPal at the end of the year, it's something that they changed um, a few years ago. Um, so that that is something that you don't have to worry about. But here's another big thing when you're waiting for a company to pay you. Um, a lot of companies have like approval processes for um, invoices that go to somebody else and then they come to somebody else. And when you put it on a credit card, companies are like, well, if it's a, it's a not legitimate, they can dispute it and everything. It's a layer of protection for the company. So I find that people are more likely to give you their credit card number than to write you a check for thousands and thousands of dollars because they feel like they have that added layer. Because if we don't deliver, they can go to Amex or whoever and 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 dispute it versus they give you $3,000. So I think you're, it's a lot easier for people, I think, from a from a standpoint of making a decision too, when they could put their credit card in online, you might get a faster decision. So that's a psychological thing rather than accounting, but I think you're 100% right. I would back that up 100%. And particularly what you said, Tim, when I started using credit cards, <clears throat> excuse me, my payments started coming in 10 times faster. I think I could probably count on one hand the times I've had to track down a client in payments in the last year or so. Um, credit cards are huge. And the one thing I'll say too is don't worry about that 2.9%. Um, I've, it did kind of prevent me from taking the leap to do that. But once I did, payments started coming in and it well paid for the cost of tracking somebody down. And I don't know, I'd, I'd be curious to get your guys' opinion on this. When I started, I added an extra percentage if they wanted to pay for credit card, which was kind of a dirty move. And then once <laughs> clients kind of called me on it, I was like, 
Yeah, that's kind of messed up. Just pay me the regular. It's fine. I'll eat the cost. So that would be a recommendation too, is just eat the 2.9%. If you're sending out an invoice for 2,500 bucks, it sucks. But at this point, if I get the check or if I get the payment instead of waiting on a check, I'm cool with it. Yeah, I, I don't think of it as, I used to do the same thing. I'd say, you know, if you'd like to use a credit card, you know, pay, you know, extra 2.93% or whatever, but just, just price included in your pricing. I mean, make sure your pricing's sufficient enough to where it's, it's, it's not going to kill you. Um, Great point. You know, yeah. I can account for the, the fees. Yeah. Now. I mean, it, it, it's going to hurt. Yeah. If you're getting like a $10,000 payment or something and you see that 2.9% taken out, but just, just know like in the back of your mind, your prices are sufficient enough that you're, you're protected and it's not going to, not going to bankrupt you. It's, it's the cost of doing business, you know, retailers do it and restaurants and all kinds of places. So yeah. So you, you might like build it into the cost, right? Yeah, yeah, what's your hourly rate when you have to go and collect? You have to, you know, do phone calls and all that stuff, run to the bank. What's your, what do you charge per hour? So, um, you know, if you have to follow up with somebody, go to the bank and it takes you two hours, um, you're there, <laughs> there's your, your percentage. So <laughs> that way too, you know, that you're getting your time back. All right, we've talked about some uh, tools that we've used for, you know, managing our finances and stuff. Let's talk about invoicing. We kind of briefly touched on it. Um, we do invoicing a couple of different ways. Obviously, with our merchant accounts, PayPal and Stripe, we have the ability to generate invoices inside of those payment platforms. The benefit of doing that is instant payment, no problem right away. We also have old school spreadsheet <laughs> where we input data and it, and then we save it as a PDF, send it out to the clients, and then they have several different options of how they want to pay, whether they want to pay online, whether they want to mail a check. Uh, what are some of the things that you professionals invoice? Invoicing, or how do you guys handle that? Invoicing. I. Uh, you cut out a little bit for me, David, but yeah, I didn't hear everything. Um, I'm going to assume that I knew what you're asking. Um, so I, I kind of already mentioned it, but, um, I use FreshBooks for invoicing and FreshBooks lets me track my time and then I can generate an invest an invoice from that track time and then send it. Um, for a while when I first started accepting credit cards for invoicing through FreshBooks, I was giving them an option to pay by check or pay by a credit card. But then I just decided I don't want to mess with checks. I don't want to have to, uh, you know, fill out the the form so that they could 1099 me, you know, at the end of the year or whatever. Um, you know, I only want to accept uh, credit card payments. And so FreshBooks has that built in, um, and I'm pretty sure all of them do. Uh, all of the major um, invoicing softwares where you can connect a Stripe account, you can connect a PayPal account, and then um, yeah, and and I, I like to to offer Stripe and PayPal because. Um, same thing with, you know, online selling products online. Uh, some people just, they see that PayPal and they trust it. You know, it's, it's been around, you know, for a big chunk of the time that the internet's been around. And so, um, yeah, some, some clients will, will see PayPal and, and choose that route. Some will just do the credit card route with Stripe. Um, but yeah, I don't like to offer options for paying invoicing just cause I don't want to have to, um, you know, fill out paperwork and, and give them my social security number for the W-2 or, or whatever. Um, yeah, I use uh, 17 hats for my invoicing. Uh, I've actually been using 17 hats now for 
I don't know, at least a year, but I haven't sat down and really gone through everything that it does. Um, I do take advantage of their quotes, invoicing, and contracts, but I did notice that on more than one occasion, my clients are a little confused by how they're all wrapped together. Um, like, so one will pay the invoice part, but forget to sign the contract and vice versa. Um, so I'm, I don't really know. I don't know. Maybe there needs to be some improvement there. Um, but I use it for that. And uh, I, gosh, I don't have a CPA. I'm, I, this is why I'm here to listen to you guys. <laughs> Leslie, I could probably, so a similar setup with using 17 hats. I do the same thing. And what I started doing was sending the contract out first Separate. and making sure that's signed before I send an invoice out. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I've been I usually things. I usually do that depending on the client, but that's helped me kind of keep it yeah. in line. Yeah, I uh, I was kind of a uh, uh, early adopter of, of FreshBooks, uh, mainly because I'm terrible at accounting and, and doing that kind of stuff. Uh, my wife handles all of our home uh, finances, and now that I'm partnered and uh, you know uh, in Aspen Grove and Divi Space. Um, David handles most of the accounting, which which is nice because I hate doing it. Um, but it, it's I think it's kind of important to to think like accounting goes beyond just like sending and receiving invoices. It's like you know tracking your time. Um, it, it, it's all kinds of different stuff that that goes into there that certain clients want to see. So uh, the thing I I did like about um, FreshBooks is if you're using a contractor or an internal employee, you could actually set them up on your team, have them track their time, send timesheets to the client. So it, it, it goes, it goes beyond just like, you know, sending, you know, send, sending an invoice and hoping, hoping it comes in um, right away. So a lot of different aspects to it in my mind. One of the advantages of using some of these softwares is if you do like a maintenance plan or something. So if you're doing like something manually every month, you have to issue an invoice or something for your, for your records while your customer might be on a recurring credit card payment. You still have to record that in your books. A lot of these softwares offer automatic invoices. So if you have a maintenance plan or you have somebody who's on retainer, you set that up once and then you're done. So the time savings is worth the investment in these programs. Um, Josh, just 17 hats is that when I left them, they weren't doing the recurring yet. Do they do the recurring now? They have some options for that, but that that's one area that's tricky for me. And then I'm probably going to iron out here eventually is because people can pay through invoices through 17 hats and it goes through my Stripe account, but the recurring is separate. So my books don't line up for, like my books right. don't know about my maintenance plan and my SEO clients because that's not through 17 hats. So it's a little tricky so there. So some softwares will allow you to enter an invoice and it be recurring and then automatically set it to that it's paid via, you know, so like if they pay via Stripe, they'll, it'll just automatically, unless the payment fails. So that's just an integration. Oh, um, some yeah. of them are done with Zaps, but I, that was one of the problems with 17 Hats. So some of the, the more um, deeper accounting softwares will allow you to record those issue those. I highly recommend because what happens is when people keep those separate, they come at the end of the year and they have all these maintenance plans that aren't in their main books. Mm -hmm. So it's a manual process. You'll have to enter them and then to take your Stripe printout and your PayPal and say, okay, who here who's paid me and record them. But it allows you to record all your income because otherwise if you're not using a CPA like you are, you're, you are at risk of like underreporting your income like so drastically. So some of those recurring, some of those softwares that get a little deeper, like with Tim going with QuickBooks, 
they have some of those that functionality that you so if you're on something like a maintenance plan where you where you where you offer maintenance plans you might want to consider something that does allow the recurring and and really Josh the way that you have it you could have them all set up and and just your your CPA would need to reconcile those out for you it's it's a little messy but it could be done yeah I'm sure they don't like me for it but uh I, you know no, 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 that's our, that's our, that's 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 our job you know I'll have to check because they, 17 hats may have made some updates but yeah that's are you talking point. about um breaking down payments um instead of one chunk payment or no, so like if you have a maintenance plan, for example, and the person plays automatic uh, via, like it's a recurring payment that's on their uh -huh. credit card. So like, let's just say it's $10 for a round number and you enter an invoice in on August 1st and then on August 1st, your Stripe account automatically bills them $10, like matching them up. You don't need that invoice to go to the customer. You just need it for your bookkeeping purposes. Mm. So, um, because a lot of people forget to put that in their accounting software it still has to be you know included in your um, and that allows you to see true revenue reports too because if you just go off of your 17 hats without your your additional recurring revenue you're kind of shorting your revenue yeah i was gonna uh i wanted to answer a question that i got a couple times recently if that's all right and it's more practical but in regards to invoicing it's how do you invoice or when do you invoice um, so I typically do 50% upfront and then 50% upon completion. And I generally let sites go live before I collect the payment. That's probably not best practices, but knock on wood, it hasn't been an issue for several years now. Um, do you, or I offer for bigger payments, 30%, 30%, and then 40%. Do you guys do something similar? Are you flexible or do you kind of have a, you know, regimented percentage for invoicing? Yeah, my go-to is is fifty percent up front and then fifty percent at at the completion of the site. Um, but I work with a lot of startups, you know, friends, businesses, blah blah blah, and and so I'll typically you know deposit and then put them on like a monthly plan, you know, and that's typically I'll only do that for for people that I I know and I trust and I I want to help them out, and I don't usually do anything um, more than six months. So basically, I'll let them pay off the remainder, you know, over the course of six months. Um, but, but yeah, I, I keep telling myself I need to be stricter about receiving the payment before launch, but I'm kind of the same way, you know, like I am too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm usually, I, I trust the, the, you know, the, the client. Um, and so, yeah, I, I haven't had any issues yet, but I could see, I've heard some of the horror stories in the groups, you know, of, of launching client sites and then never getting paid. So, well, you know, I only tend to do that if I'm the only one who even has access to the back or they have no idea how to get into their site, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, if I had to, I could just take that shit down. But <laughs> Corey never lets anybody launch their site before paying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, we, we, we try to be, we try to be strict about it and we do the same 50, 50% upfront, 50% upon completion and before launch. Um, and I, I guess, you know, sometimes the exception would be larger projects will break it into thirds or, uh, you know, certain clients will break it out a bit more. But um, I've definitely known people. Uh, I've gotten burned in the past. I mean, I've, I've been in web development, uh, you know, probably for the past, like, close to 10 years. So I've, I've been burned. I've seen a lot of people get burned. Um, and I'm not saying don't do it, but uh, sometimes it's like, you know, for maybe clients or people that you wouldn't expect. Uh, you know, and, and they just, you know, can't pay you because, because of some reason, um, if you're hosting it on your server, of course you can 
cut off their website and, and do stuff like that, but then nobody's happy. So my suggestion would be do, try to stick to the 50-50 and try to stick to receive the payment before launch. Everybody's happy and it uh, avoid, you know, it'll, it'll help avoid conflict and issues down the road. So, yeah. yeah. One quick thing I mentioned doing a payment plan um, that can oftentimes be a good kind of, I guess, way to meet the client in the middle. You know, if it's a, a startup, a smaller company and they're saying, you know, wow, like, you know, that, $5,000 price tag, that's a lot of money for me to, you know, pay out um, rather than reducing your rate or, you know, cutting out, you know, reducing the scope of the project in order to fit their budget. You can say, well, why don't we do the full project, but, you know, I'll let you spread out the cost of the second half over, you know, six months. Again, kind of like what Corey was saying, it's usually advisable to do that if you're hosting it for them. So you have full control or if it's someone that you really know and trust. But um, that, that's something that's worked for me where it's like, whoa, I can't pay all that up front. That's a lot of money. You know, I'm a small business owner. Well, let me help you out, but without devaluing your work and, you know, giving them a discount, but making it easier on them to swallow those payments. Another advantage to that too is that's a way to find out if, if the issue really is money or that they just don't think you're worth what right. you're charging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, if, if they don't take you up on a payment plan, um, maybe, it, you know, maybe that's not really the issue. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that's what credit cards are for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pay us and pay your credit card company. <laughs> yeah. And rack up points, reward points. Come on. Right. Wins. Yeah, I that. <laughs> Is that what's called recurring revenue, Tim, when you spread it out over six months? <laughs> I, I mean, it's really delay of revenue, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm joking. We, we don't have very many issues, honestly. Um, we very rarely launch a website before we receive final payment, but it's because of the what we go into up front. You know, they know that it's 50% upon, you know, commencement and 50% upon completion, and there's really no... You know, we, we rarely have it. We have had cases where we've altered and modified. And I think that, you know, every business has to do that. And you just have to figure out what works best for your business and your client. We have a relationship with with one client that we do white label work for that we're into our third project in the past six months for them. Well, they've paid on time. A relationship has been built. I'm not. We're not so stringent on Hey, send us the money right now before we get started. Hey, send us the money before we launch it. We're actually starting, finishing, you know, so it's kind of ebb and flow. Every situation is kind of unique, I guess. I I'll just want to mention that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Leslie. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to mention real quick that last around last month, I want to say 17 Hats did add. Um, they're, they're always adding features, which is why I also like them. But they added the ability to break payments. Like I used to, I usually charge maintenance by the year. Um, just because it's easier for me and some of my clients tell me it's easier for them but not everybody likes that right somebody some people want to play monthly maybe they may not know if they want to stick with me for a year um, so they did add the ability to break things up into monthly or you know every three months you can you can change it up like that and then that'll continue to go out be sent out to the um, to your client it didn't have that feature before I don't know what else is new but I did just notice that yeah and, and, and for things like like maintenance plans um... Uh, sorry, the, the police are coming to get me. <laughs> uh, for for things like maintenance plans, I mean, uh, you know, something smart to do is offer your client, you know, here's the pricing if you pay it up front, and here's the pricing per month, and, and offer them a discount for for upfront pricing. And 
try to, you know, try to entice them to just, you know, give, give you the money right then if that's what you're into. If you're like a compulsive shopper, maybe you don't want to let money at once, then uh, spread <laughs> it out. So. I, I was going to say, you know, in regards to being flexible, depending on a client situation is I've had some clients where their fiscal year will end in like June. So they'll want to just pay everything from a tax standpoint, which I've had quite a few clients pay me just a hundred percent up front, but I don't like that because usually, <laughs> usually waiting for the last payment is kind of helps me, you know, get the project done and get it going. And particularly if we're waiting on content, if a client pays me a hundred percent, and I'm still waiting on content two months later, I'm done. I have, there's no creativity there. I've got nothing left on it, so. Yeah, yeah, um, and then you, and they can't help to see you as the ass that you have right. all the money. They're like, we <laughs> paid you no, They just gave it to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all I had. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, any other accounting tips? I, I have kind of a random tip, but it's something I thought of. Um, and that is, uh, especially if you're, you know, incorporating an LLC or, or whatnot. Um, but also even if you're just a sole proprietor, I highly recommend setting up a separate bank account for business funds, um, instead of just using your, your personal bank account. Um, I don't think there's any legalities with it. You guys if can you do nothing me. else. Do what Tim just said. That's I just did that this year. <laughs> Five years <laughs> in my better, business. <laughs> even if it's in your own name and just a regular bank account, separate your business cash flow from your personal cash flow. And we can what end this whole same, conversation. That's the, <laughs> but, but Shannon, what if they're the same? What if like like all my money I get, it, it's just biz, like from my business? But it doesn't matter. Expenses. You can still protect yourself with those yeah. entities though. Yeah, and pay yourself out from the business account, like right, pay, exactly. in there and pay yourself, even if it's 100% of it, pay it out. So, so that's if all, you that's get all audited in any way, shape, or form, being able to hand over, um, and previously, in my previous life, I used to prep companies for audits. The worst thing was going into a company and having to highlight business transactions and personal versus being able to say here Mr. Auditor here's my bank account statement here you go and it just makes it so much cleaner so if you get all your money in you pay yourself out of that and you keep your expenses and your income Tim's that is the number one you know if you do nothing else do that because it'll make it easier for you I don't care where you are in the world it'll make it easier for you to track Number one, you need to track how much money um, that you are making and how much money you are spending. And that's a very easy way to see um, without doing any accounting, you know, without, without anything. You can go to your bank account and say, I had $5,000 come in. I spent $2,000 in expenses. I paid out $3,000 to myself. And there is your Corey Jenkins accounting 101. <laughs> 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 so that is, that is the best tip, and I'm glad that you, you said that. But I wanted to mention on the bank account thing, if you are an entrepreneur and you really want to scale your business and you really want to approach accounting from a business standpoint to pay yourself first, I highly recommend you read the book Profit First. Um, it will change the way you bank and... Um, it, it's really complicated and it's not for a beginner, but 
uh, Profit First is an excellent read on how to make sure that you pay yourself as a small business owner. I just, read, I just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Shannon. Is that one you're Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a whole list. We're going to put these in the, we'll put these in the blog post too. But um, that talks about opening not just one bank account, but as many bank accounts as you need to pay. Yeah. So Leslie's like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to. And, and the whole idea of paying yourself first really is what Profit First um, kinds of talk talks about. So we'll put those in the blog post. But um, sorry, uh, Tim, I kind of hijacked you there. But that is no, no, no. That you took it way beyond what I was able to yeah. explain. So that was perfect. Thank you. Such a, such a good, good tip. And another one is make sure that you keep your receipts, um, especially if you do poor uh, bookkeeping. Um, keep your receipts because your CPA may be able to help you. David's smiling big. <laughs> um, I'm laughing. I'm not smiling. I'm laughing because I relate to it. <laughs> yeah, so um, seriously, keep your receipts and, um, you know, show up with your receipts if you have to. Um, I keep mine. I just, it's really bad. I put everything in, in a book, but I also keep mine. I have one of those white file boxes, and literally every week I dump in my receipts into those white file boxes. So if at the end of the year... I need to to do something, I can go back. And you can sort it by month or you can sort it by nothing. You can just put them in there. But having those receipts for, from a CPA standpoint, being able to uh, to show those receipts um, is, is so, is just makes their life so much easier. Yeah, yeah I, I actually have a, a Ziploc bag, like like one of those large, like <laughs> gallon size ones full of receipts. And the, the first time I saw my new accountant who's awesome. Like she cusses me out and all kinds of stuff. But, uh, I went in and like plopped down the bag of receipts and I was like, here's the receipts. And she like looked at it. She's like, all I care about is that you're saving them. I don't know what, want to know what's in there. And, yeah. <laughs> I have a shred first mentality, so I need to break that. Yeah. I, I don't have any receipts. I can look up any transaction, whether it's email receipts or online yeah, banking, but, things up, but yeah, so unorganized. Absolutely yeah, and, and that's, the, that's the other nice thing about like programs like FreshBooks and, and why it's important to keep a separate account because I, I know, I know FreshBooks, you can actually, it'll track all of your expenses. So if it's a clean business account and you're only using it for business expenses, whether it be gas, uh, hosting fees, uh, domain fees, things like that, um, you know, then you can actually tag all those in FreshBooks and it'll, it, it'll only, you know, uh, track those and you can actually print that out and give it to your accountant. So something else too. Um, I've just recently started using some of those, um, what is it? IFTTT, those applets where you can kind of connect kind of, kind of like Zapier. I don't know if it's the same. Um, but so whenever I get a payment through 17 hats, it goes through my Stripe and then, I'll, I have a Google Doc sheet that will automatically pull the transaction details. So, so I have a 17 has has their own, like I think a, what is it, CSR file or CRV, whatever you can download. I don't know. CSV file. Yeah, yeah, CSV. Um, but then I also have this just in case. Um, even though I really don't use, I'm not great with spreadsheets, but I have a, as a separate way to look at it. You know, if it, if it, because a lot of it depends on how people read information, right, and what's going to make sense to them. So I did add that, and, and that's kind of cool. Like every time I get a payment, it's, it's, it's going to different places. Like when you back up your work, right? You want to back up to different places. So that's basically, that's kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah, my wife absolutely hates the way that I handle my receipts because I'm like, I pile them all together, and then I bring them. She's a CPA. Um, so, you know, 
that causes me to be lazy, you know, because she's a CPA and I think, oh, she's going to do it for me. But <laughs> she, and I'm supposed to take all of my receipts and I'm supposed to put them in the envelope every month. Seems like an easy thing to do. I bring this mess of wad of receipts and then I sit down at the end of the month and have to wade through all of them and break them out. And, you know, after actually after a few months, let me be honest here, a few months and then break them out and put them in the envelopes and stuff. Um, so I know they're hugely important. There's something else that is probably the tip of tips for entrepreneurs and that we have not talked about yet. Um, and I'm kind of glad that we're getting closer to the end of the episode here because Shannon will be able to shed some light in more detail, but it's what type of entity should I form if I'm a web designer in a business? Should I go with an LLC? Should I do an S corp? Do a, should I do a C corp? Well, it's very confusing. Uh, there is a tax benefit from the self-employment side that we use and several people on the panel actually use as well. Um, and it's just a tip and you can confirm it with your accountant and stuff. I'm going to let Shannon tell you what it's about though, because she's the accountant. <laughs> Go Shannon. So, um, so like we said at the beginning, um, this varies by state. Um, costs will vary by state. Procedure will vary by state. But um, for, from a federal standpoint for the U.S., you can opt to be a sole proprietorship, which is basically just, you know, uh, that's Tim. He's just running his business, Tim's web development, and he's putting everything on a Schedule C through his <laughs> – his, his his taxes. So a lot of us probably do that. We probably just use our social security number um, and report our income and on that schedule C and that's that. There's also as a sole prop, you could do that and you could also get an EIN number, which takes that away from anybody can get an EIN num number. You can do that very quickly online um, and it'll be issued to you immediately. So I'm imagining that the majority of the people here are running. If you're running by yourself, you're just running as a sole prop. There's an option to be an LLC. An LLC is a limited liability um, company. And basically now this varies by state, but for most states, you can be a sole prop with an LLC designation. So basically for tax filing purposes, you will still do the same thing. You will still file that Schedule C, but you're an LLC, which means you are now, instead of Tim's Web Development Company, you are Tim's Web Development LLC. And what that says is that, hey, I'm a company, you wanna sue me, you're, selling, you're suing Tim's Web Development, you're not suing Tim himself. So, and again, varies by state, please check with your state. So that's an LLC. And then there's a designation where you can be an S-Corp. So an S-Corp. That's what I am. Sorry, go ahead. Josh. <laughs> okay, I'm just that. <laughs> all excited. Oh, yeah, S-Corp club. You got to make, make this stuff fun. Otherwise, it's so boring. <laughs> and Shannon, S-Corp is only at the, the federal tax level, right? Correct. So you could actually be, let's get real crazy here. You could be an LLC and have an S-Corp designation for the tax, for your federal tax filing. So LLC for the state of Pennsylvania with an S-Corp uh, designation. David was mentioning tax benefits. Um, it's called pass-through income where you can save a little money on some of your taxes. It only makes sense at certain levels. Um, it's going to cost you a lot more to have 
your your taxes you're on a different schedule now because now you're filing taxes with the corporation taxes instead of personal taxes so now I have two tax return hi mrs. Tim um, <laughs> she just was, um, so, <laughs> yeah, so there's um, there's some, there's some tax benefits but it also costs more so you have to look at you know the how it's going to affect your your company and then there's this there's a C Corp which um, there's going to be very few of us who, so I have a C Corp, which is basically we're a corporation and I am on, I am a shareholder, but everything is in the name of the C Corp. So there's, there's implications all along these lines, not only for your accounting purposes, but also for your, um, for the purposes of legally how things are filed. Um, when you're starting out, you're probably looking at just starting out as a sole prop. Um, if you can get an LLC designation in your state for fairly cheap, state of Pennsylvania, very cheap. Texas, I don't know what it costs in Texas, but I don't think it's crazy expensive. It's cheap here. Cheap. Okay, so that LLC, and it doesn't really, if you do the LLC with the sole prop um, disregarded entity for your LLC, you're not really filing anything different. It just looks different to the outside world, and it, it sometimes people feel more comfortable, you know, if I am, you know, Josh Hall Web Development LLC or, you know, Josh Hall Web Development Corp. And they don't care that it's the same. It gives this, you know, perception. So that LLC gives you some added credibility too. I, I think it's so funny I when clients want that on their site. Like, like, no, I don't know. <laughs> so, Shannon, I should have, I should have done joshhall.corp, not .co. <laughs> Sounds you, legit. you can still change that because you are still early in the game here. <laughs> All right. Redirect. Right. Right. Somebody who might be able to move that for you. Yeah, I'll call Tim or Corey. <laughs> Tim, Tim will take care of that for you tomorrow. So there's definitely there's definitely options for you, and that is where you want to go. In some states, you do that, you know, strictly. I do that with my attorney rather than you know with my accountant because my attorney knows for me it's more important from a legal structure that I want to make sure my assets as a person are protected rather than from the couple dollars that I'm going to save on the tax side. So um, my structure is all based on legal protection. So consult your CPA, consult your attorney to decide what works best for you. If you are running, here's another small tip. If you are running your business as a sole prop and you're doing all your accounting yourself and you have no liability insurance and you're you know, just running along, just remember you're leaving yourself to open to all that's suing. And so as you as you start doing this seriously, invest in and each each one of these, you know, people on the panel will tell you. Um, I know David and Corey, they they work with an attorney, they work with an, you know, they have Lisa who's a CPA. You know, uh, Tim was just talking about they are all seeking outside counsel um, to to make these decisions. And while we can decide on terms and all that stuff internally, Go see the professional to get that, um, and and you don't have to use them every day, but it's worth the investment to protect yourself. And also, if you're you're protecting your clients, you know, at the end of the day, because if you do get sued because you cause harm to somebody's business inadvertently, I mean, it happens, you know, stuff happens. You are protected. We don't want anybody to lose their assets because they don't have the proper setup. So. I'm glad that you you kind of distinguish the two because like I have a tax attorney but I don't have a CPA um, and I could see how maybe 
it could be confusing to, to think like, well, why would you need both? Or couldn't they do the same for you or something? But and, and some of them can, but the CPA is the nitty gritty person. You know, tax attorney is going to think big picture strategy. Um, and, and then at least that's been, you know, my experience. And, you know, even though I have 10 plus years in corporate accounting, I still consult a, a tax attorney and I have a CPA do my taxes. And I'll tell you why for all of us that think we can do them ourselves. And David will 100 percent agree with me on this one. Stuff changes, and 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 with an administration change that we just had, and all those things, the laws change. They're constantly changing. They're constantly updating them. And what you did two years ago is not, you know, what is relevant, you know, today. So while accounting principles are never going to change, you know, debits and credits are always going to be debits and credits. The laws change frequently. What we can write off, how we write it off, um, you know, just just go and see these professionals, even if when you're getting started. Because long term, it'll it'll make a huge impact on your business. And I think what happens is most of us wait till we're too far in, and we've made some decisions, and we it's it's harder to undo some of those decisions. Um, so, Tim, is this your first time seeing the accountant? Um, he's actually a, a good friend of mine. Um, we've been talking for a while, and so he he's been advising me. Um, he did my taxes last year or for 2016, I should say. Um, and so, yeah, finally got to the point where like, yeah, I'm going to take your advice and, you know, form an LLC, do the S corp election because, you know, he was telling me based off of your income, you would save money on taxes by doing the S corp election. And so, yeah, and, right, and that's, right. that's a big thing. A lot of people think I'm going to get a CPA. It's going to cost me all kinds of money in reality. Um, the biggest thing is peace of mind that the IRS isn't going to come busting through your door in the middle of the night. And, um, you know, take away your dog and stuff like that. Two, um, the, fir the first time I saw, <laughs> the, the first time uh, I saw my accountant, I, I did I did my taxes like the year before, and this was like, I don't even know how many years ago. Did them like online, TurboTax type thing, and I had no idea, idea what I was doing. I just jumped on it last minute. Went and saw my accountant the next year, and she pointed out all kinds of things I was missing and ended up, ended up saving me money, even though, you know, I, all, all CPA fees are going to differ. I probably paid her out for 500 bucks uh, to do my taxes, but she saved me a heck of a lot more than that. Going to her gave me peace of mind. And so j just think of it as, well, and you learn something too. So, I mean, yeah, that four or $500 is really well spent. Yeah. Cause you could have gone on year yeah. after year. losing money. <laughs> yeah. My, my friend, he's a, a CPA. He says he talks to a lot of people, whether they're family, small business owners, whatever that have previously used TurboTax. And he says, there's so many things that are wrong in his opinion. TurboTax is fine for, you know, a straightforward, um, person that who has a full-time job, uh, you know, not a private contractor, not, you know, a small business owner. Um, what, what's the form that you get 1040 back? 1040 easy 1040. or 1040. Yeah, exactly. You know, TurboTax is fine for that. But when you're a small business owner, you know, that kind of changes everything and you can still use TurboTax, but it's a lot easier to screw it up. And so kind of what the theme of the last couple of minutes is do the investment and, and hire a professional because it'll definitely pay yeah. for itself. All right. Well, we are coming close to the end of this episode of Divi Chat, and I want us to continue our tradition of parting final thoughts. Uh, Corey, I hate to throw you under the bus, buddy, but uh, you're first. You got any Throwing. parting thoughts for us? Yeah, I, I, I think I kind of just said mine. Just 
<laughs> go out, go out and get a CPA. It's uh, it'll help you sleep at night, and uh, you just you know make everything make everything better. There's nothing worse than uh, tax season coming up and uh, laying around restless at night. So just just go out and do it. Uh, keep your you know keep your uh, accounts receivable up to date and keep your receipts somewhere, whether it's in a box or a um, Ziploc bag. Keep them. Damn, man, you stole mine. All right, Josh, you're next. I'm going to say people be suing. You got to protect yourself because <laughs> it's true. Once you start making some money and becoming successful, I just read a book where the author talked about as soon as he started making a lot of money, that's right when he started getting sued like crazy. So I think it's important, even as a freelance web developer or a small agency, you need to get this stuff taken care of before you start making money and before you start having a robust network of clients because – you can't get sued and then call Shannon and go, hey, remember that S-Corp thing you were talking about? <laughs> um, you know, you got to get it taken care of initially to make sure you're protected because I think a big theme of this whole show has been you need to protect yourself. It's not just your business. If you get sued and you're not protected, you could lose a lot. So protect yourself. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Leslie. Uh, well, as I mentioned, um, my business, I started in 2012, November of 2012, and I just got a business bank account this year. Um, so I guess my advice would be, don't be too hard on yourself. You know, we're all going to be at different stages when we come into this. Um, and, and, you know, you're going to learn along the way. And I, like, you know, a lot of us learn the hard way <laughs> like me. Um, so yeah, don't, don't be too hard on yourself. It's never too late to fix things and get things organized. Boom. Never too late. Shannon. So I think, uh, you know, going back to, you know, just using some type of system, it doesn't have to be the most sophisticated, the most expensive, find a system that works for you and keep track of everything. And quite frankly, um, printed journals worked for a really long time for, <laughs> um, for many people. What are those? <laughs> they did. I mean, we didn't have, you know, how accounting has been kept. So just find a system that works for you and don't feel like you need to, you know, do what Josh is doing with 17 hats or, you know, uh, QuickBooks. You could get a, a, a journal uh, and just keep a journal record of your in and out. And if you if that's all you do, a spreadsheet, do something. And that is the key. Keep track of stuff. Keep your stuff organized. And as long as you do that at the end of the year, see a professional, you should be good to go. Awesome. Thank you, Shannon. Tim. So my final thought, I hope this makes sense. It somewhat makes sense in my head. Um, but my final thought is to change the way you think about your business. Um, you know, don't think of it as this is just your job. Think of it as a business, a separate entity. So even though I'm the, the sole owner of Tim Streifler LLC, it's a separate business and therefore um, I need to treat it like that. And as the business owner, I'm responsible for doing those not so fun things such as accounting and uh, the bookkeeping and invoicing and the legal stuff. And even though uh, most of us are creatives and we want to be creating websites and selling stuff and, you know, whatnot, um, as a business owner, it is your responsibility to, um, you know, take care of that separate entity and, and you know, do everything that's legal because um, otherwise you'll be out of business. I hope that made sense. That is an excellent final thought. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And my final thought is that every accounting episode should have the word abacus in the episode, and we haven't used abacus, oh so God. I'm using the word abacus. <laughs> <laughs> does, does everybody know what that word is? 
it's the Here. Chinese calculator. Right? <laughs> yeah, the little body <laughs> thing. <laughs> it is an oblong frame with rows and wires and grooves that is slid on and used for calculating. Um, per yeah, Wikipedia. I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I am not going to try to add to anything. My advice is the same as everybody else's. Hire a professional. If you are in business to be in business, do it properly. Hire a professional. You know, uh, spend the money that it takes, and and it, and it will benefit you greatly. Uh, there is something that we are going to start a new tradition, and hopefully encouraging you to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Is I'm going to start reading some of the reviews that we have. So we and have they're this, real, and, they're and not they from are us. real people, <laughs> and and they do, and it's not. Us leaving just us. <laughs> not just us. Yeah, not just us. Not just us. Whoever wrote the first review must have been just a yeah. gentleman and a scholar. Yeah, he's awesome. Well, Josh, the good news is, is I'm not reading yours tonight. I'm not reading yours tonight. Thanks for the good review, though, Josh. <laughs> All right. So Mark Hancock left us a five-star review. He said, gold, pure gold. This is not just Divi talk, but how to market well and bring value. The Divi clan is full of knowledge sharing what has worked and what has not. I intend to sit by their feet and learn. Ooh, so awesome. nice. dun, dun, dun. that was awesome. Thank you, Mark. That was Awesome. Yeah, that, that's the way that we get found with iTunes and stuff. You should get a free layout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's what keeps us going too. Right. I mean, we, we get reviews like that, like, "Hey, we're actually helping people." Like, yeah. you know, it gets I, us excited. I, I was actually going to quit the show until I read that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we actually get lots of private messages about um, how Divi Chat has benefited each each and all of us, you know, in some way, shape, form, or fashion have, have received private messages. I would encourage you to go and leave those reviews on iTunes, YouTube, you know, ask yeah, us in questions. The comments, yeah, in the comments, engage. Let us know because it really does pump us up and makes us want to keep going for the next week and stuff. Um, that's episode 41 in the books, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. Head on over to Divi.chat. Check out the show notes. I think we're going to have what it sounds like a monstrous blog yeah. post. Shannon said she's got some good stuff. So it'll be up um, tomorrow, sometime tomorrow. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait to read it. Um, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye, -bye. See you guys. See ya. Go with